Hawks Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. It's your favorite day of the week. It's Thursday. It's 7 o'clock. You're listening to 710 ESPN, and this is Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus here with Paul Moyer, NASA Choby on the ones and twos. Bounce back week. The Hawks go to Buffalo. They go to the Northeast. They take a loss. Something that I wasn't prepared to see, Paul. I didn't think it would go down this way. The week prior, the Buffalo Bills ran the ball a bunch. Only threw the ball 18 times. Different ball game. Josh Allen throws it 38 times. He was 12 for 14 in the first quarter. 154 yards, two touchdowns. The guy looked like the MVP we heard about the first four weeks. Well, give me something, Paul. What'd you see? Oh, man. You know, first of all, the good news is Thanksgiving's coming up and so is Christmas. So there's some positive uh, to that. I, I felt great going into last week. We were getting somewhat healthy. We got Dunlap playing for us. We had Jamal Adams back. Um, Bobby Wagner come back off his best game of his maybe in the last two, three years. I mean, really uh, came with passion against the 49ers. Fantastic game. I just didn't I, even though we scored you know over 30 offensively we didn't play great offensively I mean yeah. you have four turnovers that's that's not going to work for you you go three and out early in the game that's not going to work but you know I, I look at this game and bump we, we played a long time and and we've both coached and at certain levels we've walked in on the day after a game and said do you throw this film away come on in Go and jog. Get away from the game. Yeah. We're going after the next game. Mm-hmm. Or do we have a serious tell the truth Monday or Sunday or whatever game it is? Whether it's All high right, school so, so which one was this? So this one's tricky because I, my analogy is a, a bit of you've been drinking a little bit, right? Uh-huh. You know, you're a little tipsy, say a couple dumb things, and your wife goes, yeah, you know, you were, you were kind of funny, but yeah, you know, not that funny. Yeah. And then you, you, you have a, a really bad night, like bad drunk night. And, you know, like I almost choke someone out type of night <laughs> at a nice event. And then your wife goes, you got a problem. Okay, you, you, we got to fix this. That's kind of what this one was for so, me. So they have to fix it. I, we got to fix it. It was a, one of the few games where we've always said, it's never as good or as bad as you think it is. Mm-hmm. This was one of the first games I've seen where I said, wow, it was really bad, at least in the first half. Yeah. And the reason why it was bad, it was bad in so many different areas. We, we were hurt. And no question, Dunbar was hurt. Um, we were playing this weird soft zone. So I throw a little bit on the coach and the staff. Um, we just key plays where we were back in the game. We make a couple dumb plays. You know, um, Jamal Adams, unfortunately, on that one, we, we got a sack on third down and seven. We're off the field. We're down seven. And, you know, he, he, he bumps the guy downfield. It's a penalty. So just a lot of weird plays in that game that just crushed us. But we got to fix something. And right now, we're putting Band-Aids on these wounds. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they, to me, have to go back to something that they can hang their hat on. Because right now, if it's fourth down and four bump, I'm going to ask you, what, what defense are they calling Fourth down and four. It's fourth Paul. and four. What, what are you going to? Uh, yeah. If I'm the Seahawks, Alpha, what we've seen out of them, what am I calling? If, yeah. it, what, I, I, my, so my point is, do you know? No, I don't know. Not if I'm the Hawks, no. I know what I would call, but I don't, I don't right. know what the Hawks And so call. with the Seahawks and any team that it's Super Bowl, it's the last drive, it's fourth and four. I got to make What am I hanging my hat on? Yeah. What is, what is our identity? 
I don't know what our identity is. And so they're putting these Band-Aids on right now. And part of it is, look, yeah, Dunbar, who's, he was 40%. I mean, I felt, gamer for trying, they should have pulled him early. I mean, you just got to give somebody who's healthy at that, that situation. We're, we're busting. We're playing hard, and, but we're, just, we're dropping coverage, and it's head-scratcher things. We've got to get back to accountability. Let's simplify this thing a little bit. And then let's just let these guys go out and play. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am right now. This is the way I see it. The week before against the 49ers, they come out with a defensive game plan. Bobby's getting loose, two sacks. Uh, Russell's doing his thing, bouncing back, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Cody Barton's flying downhill on special teams, knocking guys out. What we say? Team win. Team win. All three phases played. This was a team loss. Yeah. Offensively, couldn't get it going early. Russell Wilson turned the ball over. There's four turnovers. In general. 16 points, by the way, off those turnovers. 16 points off the turnovers. Defensively, couldn't stop anything, couldn't stop anybody. Special teams-wise, the very first play, they take it 60 yards down the field. So just like we say, that was a team win against the 49ers. This was a team loss. And offensively, I'm going to go to bat for Russell Wilson on this just a little bit because he threw two interceptions, and people are going to tear him up. Russ, why would you do this? Why would you do that? The first interception, it was fourth down. They're inside the five. It's a flood concept. He's rolling out to his right side. He's looking for Jacob Hollister to run his corner route. Jacob, being the young player that he is, does an outside release on his man, tries to go to the corner, gets walled off. Everything's short. It's taken away. He looks back, nothing there. Then he tries to go back, and he tosses one up to Hollister. Just give him a chance. Why? Because it's fourth down. He has nothing to lose at this point. Not the greatest decision, but I, that's what he's thinking. I'm trying to get in the mind of Russell Wilson. Now, the other intercession is third and 25-27. They're backed up as late in the game. Again, nothing to lose. I need to give my team a chance. I'm just going to toss the ball up to number 14, the guy who bails me out, because I need at least 10 to 15 yards on this play. There is no play for third and tw- uh, fourth and 20. There's no play for third and 25. You need to get around 12 to 15 yards to have a chance to execute. I'm not making excuses for Russell Wilson, but I'm just trying to get in his head. What What is going on in the mind of the quarterback that this franchise and town at City has learned to love and trust so much. So that's my two cents. I'm just backing up Russ's a little bit. Okay, so let's talk about the positive. Because <clears throat> there is some positive in this. And it's it's easy. Look, a week ago, I was convinced we were playing our best football. Everybody's healthy. There's no way we're losing to Buffalo. We're about to go on a run and be 15-1 and one going into playoffs. A week off, life is good. A week later, I'm questioning, are we going to win another football game? That's just emotion. So let's take the emotion out. Now let's look at the second half. Yep. Because we're not going to turn the ball over four times again. Russell Wilson fumbled twice, two interceptions. And those interceptions came on fourth down and third down and long. Even the one that he got hit on a uh, the fumble, I think it was the first one in the second half. It was a third down situation. He's trying to extend. We're not going to do that. So let's look at the positive. Seven sacks. And we and there was more pressure. I mean, if we could have got the big body, he's he's tough. Yeah. He, Six five. This guy's going to be a really good quarterback. Yeah. Especially if you just let him pat the ball and throw it. If it's going to be skeleton, he's really good. You got, you're going to have to get after him just like this week. But second half, we had, we had or we had seven sacks in the game. Actually, had eight. One of them we took off the board because they had a holding penalty. Um, and so we took it off ourselves. Another one, we had a sack and we had a penalty. So 
theory, we, we got him on the ground nine times with the ball in his hand. That's, that's a lot of sacks. And in the second half, we gave it about 130 yards. There was four drives in a row. We got after him. We played differently. We didn't play soft. We contested. We were on the upfield shoulder, making him at least have to throw a perfect pass, not a pass that doesn't matter if it's anywhere around 12 feet of the receiver, he can go get it. So I'm looking at that. Sacks, I'm looking at second half. And again, never quit. I mean, the game... Really, most teams get blown out. It's 27-20. We got a chance to get off the ball. So there's some positive. They're going to fix it. We got to get healthy. And we may not be healthy this week. So we still may have another week or two of growing pains. Okay, offensive positives. I'm going to go offense. DK still had a day. Seven catches, 108 yards, one touchdown. You can count on him. Another positive, David Moore, the number three receiver, came through clutch, really kind of kept life in this offense with four catches, 71 yards, averaging 17 yards per catch that game. What I liked early in the game, that very first drive, you look at that drive, DJ Dallas was moving, and I kind of like what they did offensively. They were moving, locking on that jet sweep look, kind of like what the Rams are doing. I think with this type of back, with DJ Dallas, he's not your Chris Carson, he's not going to make two or three guys miss. You got to get the defense moving left and right to allow him to read those those gaps and those seams a bit more. Early on in the game, that's what they were doing. They kind of got away from that. So early, DJ got going. He had a long of 10. That was in that very first drive. And then the receiver showed, look, we're still going to make plays for you. Give us a chance. And like you said, I don't think Russell Wilson is going to turn the ball over four times again this year. There are some positives there. But the Rams are coming. or Not not the Rams are coming to town. The Seahawks are going to L.A. to play these Rams. And this defense is tough, man. You know, if it wasn't this pandemic, we'd be flying down there. I mean, this is the first time we get the chance to see their new stadium. Yeah. And that thing looks like, a, well, I think the one in Vegas and there are very cool looking. Love to, to go. Um, this is a tough matchup for us. It always has been. And partly it's the type of defense we play, the type of offense they play. Um, Miami absolutely got after Goff. Goff was horrible. I, it, they, they scored 21 points off punt return, a fumble, you know, strip sack, and then they got one, another one down to the three-yard line. Um, tough one. And then you got the best player in the league and Aaron Donald 99. coming up. They are the number Woo. two defense in the NFL. Yes. They're doing a lot of cool, fun things. They are going to contest us, so it's going to be hit and miss. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. But you know what, Paul? Everyone always thinks they have it figured out. But how hard is it actually to be an NFL coach? Coming up next, Paul Murray and I take you through what it's actually like to coach in the NFL right here on Hawks Live. Let it ring. Salute the ones who die. The ones that give their lives so we don't have to sacrifice all the things we love. Like you like that, huh? I do like that. That's a little respect and tribute to, to our veterans out there. And yep. That's, uh, that's from Zach Brown, man. A little country. Zach Brown. I know Zach Brown. I know, but it was our first real country bump music. Yes, it was. Coming yes, it back. Was. So, right. well, just to give me a little love. Let me try this again, Paul. Welcome to Hawks Live. There you go. Every Thursday, <laughs> me and Paul sit here at 7 on 710 ESPN Seattle at CenturyLink. And, Paul, it's hard out here for a coach. It is hard, oh, especially yeah. when you're six and two and you supposedly have the worst defense in NFL history and your quarterback's turning the ball over and everybody in the in the, the Seattle area is calling for this and they're calling for that. And they think the coaches just wake up and go to practice <laughs> and, and show up. Yeah. What is it really like? Now I've been a high school head coach. I've never done it to your level. You are a you're a player, you're a coach in NFL. Just take us through what it's like to be an NFL coach. 
It's changed a little because of technology. I don't think they need to be there from six in the morning uh, and sleep there two, three nights a week like we did back when I was coaching. And part is we, we did a lot of the game plan. We had to write it out by hand. We were drawing our own circles, prepping for practice and plays. It's just different. Now, I mean, the cut-ups, it's, it's instantaneous. They don't have to worry about breaking down film. It's done for them. So they probably have a life. But I guarantee none of them are getting home before 11 o'clock <laughs> on well, maybe Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, and probably Thursday. Is that win or loss regardless? It doesn't matter. You're just you're game planning. And, uh, look, most coaches, you get older, older. I had some older guys. They were just so efficient with their time. They were so confident yeah. in what they did. I was a young coach. I, I, I would have done it 24 hours a day. I wouldn't have slept because I was so afraid that I wasn't going to prepare my guy. So here the point is. These guys are smart guys. They're busting their butt, man. They got family. It's stressful because they feel the heat. I mean, on paper, this is supposed to be a pretty decent defense. But I, I'll tell you this. I, I In 1992, not to date myself too much, I was on a staff. I was a secondary coach. We had a top 10 defense. We were number two third down conversions. We got after people. We had the most inept offense in the history of the NFL. Mm-hmm. The history. We were two and fourteen that year. Wow. <laughs> okay. Now on offense, we just didn't have the players. Mm-hmm. But we had times where we had a lead going into halftime, and our offense with fifty seconds left would go back to pass, and we're like, kneel, kneel on the ball, let us win. The, don't don't get another yard. Just don't turn it. And they would turn it over, and team would score before half, take the lead. My point on this is that when they're busting their butt here, and these guys are smart, they didn't just get dumb overnight. We're six and two. They're not trying to game plan for statistics. No. They're game planning to win a game. And they're looking at their personnel right now, and they're saying, okay, what's the best ways to do that? Maybe it's we got to play soft between the 20s, and we got to you know, tighten it up you know, in the red zone. And for the most part, in the first three quarters of this game or this season, in the first three quarters of a game throughout this season, we've done that. We've had double-digit leads every game but one going into this last week. And, and maybe you could even make a case that – We've played well other than the fourth quarter in just about every game. This was the first one, first half, we stunk. And so so the perception is, wow, it's completely broken. These coaches don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they do. Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to be the fan. I'm going to be yep. the 12s, the guys who are typically here rocking the house. How hard is it to make in-game adjustments i mean can't you see something and just make a move there's guys up in the booth who are looking down and they have the greatest point of view and you're talking to your guys why aren't they making adjustments or are the fans just not seeing the adjustments being made well i thought they did try to make adjustments they they came out early and buffalo had a game plan and you don't usually see a game plan just take off right from the get-go and you don't it's kind of like a lot lot of teams script the first 15 18 plays and you try to weather that storm if you can early they come off that game plan this one look after three plays they had scored a touchdown Mm -hmm. right and they get into their next one they got about eight plays they got a touchdown man they still got another five six plays of scripting we're trying to figure out their game plan at this point so it takes time we did make an adjustment it's just too late yeah and what we made the adjustment is we started really contesting the receivers and we're still getting pressure on them mm-hmm. it's hard because at halftime I, look I, by the time i get down there and they take a bathroom break and all this i, I got about three minutes yeah. most of it's done on the sidelines but like i can either play man zone or blitz you okay all right, so now I'm, I'm still the 12s. Right. I'm still the 12s talking. 
Pete Carroll said they prepared for them to run the football. They weren't really – they prepared for them to throw it. Obviously, you don't just ignore the pass game. But if you're a coach and you go in and you say, look, guys, look at your players' eyes. Look, this is what we expect them to do, and that's not happening. How hard is it to get out of the game plan that you kind of had going all week? Is it, is it easy? Like, okay, we're going to go back to what we did week three, guys. Remember that game plan? Let's do that. Or is it a slow adjustment? You start talking to pieces one, one piece at a time. What, what's that like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um by the way, they did a great job in their game plan against the run. I think they averaged 1.8 yards per carry. <laughs> they did that. Uh, it's the, the other part. And there are times, again, it takes you a series two, three, four, and all of a sudden you go, okay, here's what they're doing. We do need to make an adjustment when they do this type of formation. I rarely scrap my game plan. I mean, I put a whole game plan together for a reason. A yeah. lot of it's on personnel and it's in, on formations. If all of a sudden I'm not seeing any of that, then I got to make an adjustment. That adjustment didn't happen until the second half. Yeah. And it did happen in the second half. First half, at least the first four drives, it was just we were going to play the soft kind of quarter defense. It was something I hadn't seen us do a lot of, but it was very soft. And it was just pitch and catch, pitch and catch. And then when we didn't get to them, you know, we had some busted coverages. Um, again, second half, I know for the 12th, really frustrating first half. A lot of it just flat-out injuries. Some mental mistakes along the way cost us big. You're down, you know, three scores. It, it's it's a battle the rest of the way. Okay, so now I'm the I'm the defensive line coach. My guys perform seven sacks. They get after the quarterback. They they silence all the haters saying that they're not bringing the quarterback down enough. What's that meeting room like? Are you walking in there like, all right, guys, we did our thing. These guys got to no. catch up. No, because in the year I was talking about, we it's probably one of the best defense in Seahawks history with the offense that. We have, if we had a great offense, we would have been the number one defense in the league. I mean, it's no, no question, but I don't think we scored 20 points that whole year. Yeah. You know, an amount of three and outs, it just kills you. I would, if I'm the D-line coach, i go, look at what we're having to do for us to get these sacks. We're having to bring Jamal Adams. We're having to bring okay. uh, Bobby Wagner and KJ. We're, we're bringing corners on a third and two. We're blitzing a corner, and Bobby's got to go out and cover a guy 10 yards away from him. I didn't really understand that call, but I'm not proud of it. Yeah. You know, look, we lost. We gave up 44 points, the most points Pete Carroll's given up since he's been here. There's a lot not to like. Yeah. I'm going to focus on the second half of that game, and I'm going to look at what we got to do moving forward. Because the one thing about Pete is I, I, it's too easy to be negative. I'm watching the film. It's probably the most I've watched one game in the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. You're all over it. Oh, You're I all was. over it. I, and, and I was frustrated. And I was r- frustrated in the way we play zone defense. I don't know everything. I don't know the guy who's hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't know the matchup if they don't, they're not confident that that guy can cover him. And I, I believe that a lot was played into that. But I was frustrated, and we dropped coverage a couple times. We can't drop coverage. You can't drop coverage ever. So there's some accountability. There's some frustration there that I know they're going to address. And I think, look, I think the best football for the Seahawks defense is yet to come. You know what I feel like? I feel like if I am Pete Carroll, I'm the head coach of this football team, you go to your guys. My mom hit me with this. I'm sure all of our parents have hit us with this. Look, I'm not mad, guys. I'm just disappointed. Ah, right. We we went over this stuff. This is best. what we do in this situation. This is the time when you hit them with the we're better than this. We we prepared for this. You guys know what you're doing. It's time to kind of break them down a bit, but you don't tear them down because you need these guys to play. You still got eight games left. Oh, let me get back to my analogy. Get a little tipsy. Say a couple things at a party. You go, ah. 
I was dumb. I shouldn't. I shouldn't drink that much. Then you have the moment. I mean, you're just you're you're off your cleats. You yeah. do dumb, dumb things. It's that you're walking down the the street the next week and your free moment. You go, <laughs> oh my god, did I do that? Keep replaying. Was it. that me? Keep replaying it. <laughs> and sometimes I've been saying, hey, you guys are better than that. I'm really disappointed. Sometimes as a parent. They come home and you go, I'm more than disappointed. Get your butt upstairs. I don't want to see this again. So That may have been the conversation. So you think that was the conversation? I think it has to be. It, there's just, there were some things. It's not all bad as much as the 12s are listening right now. You yeah. put on the film. There's some good play in there. There's some good play in the front four. There's I'm, some good play I'm in the I'm speaking as a 12, Paul. I'm speaking as a 12, not Michael Bumpus. Hey, it was Trey bad, Flowers. Paul. Trey it was Flowers bad. Things need game. to change, Paul. But there's some accountability issues going on that they've got to do. They're just do your job first. Do your job. Then rally. There's you. some plays fundamentally on a screenplay. I'm watching on a screenplay. We used to run this all the time in high school. It's called just run screen. You flatten down the line, then you fan out. You never trail one of your, 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 your defenders, right? Fan out. Start working towards the other goal line. There was one time, there were four guys bunched up like a bunch of four-year-olds playing basketball, and everybody <laughs> is around the back. There's 10 guys there. No, spread out. So there's some fun. That's frustrating. So those are the things you go, that's not happening anymore. You're not dropping coverage. Play the defense. Let's, let's give ourselves an opportunity to win. I think we have the talent to do it. I think so, too, Paul. You look at this defense on paper, the Bobby Wagners, Jamal Adams, Shaquille Griffin, Dunlap. There are ballers on this defense. They just got to bring it Reed, together. Give me Mayoa back. Yeah. Hey. Puna Ford's playing. There's some guys playing well at times. We just got to all play well now together. All play well together. Hey, Paul, you're a great resource when it comes to that coaching stuff, man. My guy, Paul. All right, coming up next, we chat with rookie Damian Lewis right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live every Thursday at 7 o'clock on 710 ESPN. Paul, who's this, man? Come on, you have to know this. Paul, who is this? Come on, Paul. This Zach is Brown. Era. This is your Zach era. Brown. Beastie Boys, come on now. Beastie Boys. All right, thank you, Paul. I'm going to disappoint me there for a minute. You just do the talk back to me next time. Now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, now we get to talk to rookie Damian Lewis. Damian, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, sir. How y'all doing? Hey, we good, man. You know what? Me and you, man, we're almost like brothers, man. My family's from Mississippi. My mom was born in Jackson. Oh, yeah. My pops lives in Biloxi. Welcome to the Northwest, man. How you liking it out here? I love it out here. You know, the people treat me good. They got good sushi. You no know, good people. <laughs> sushi. You no. Know, yeah. Let me ask you this. Did you have sushi before you came up here, or was this a first-time experience for you? Now, I had sushi back down in the south. It's just more fresh than him. That's what I think. <laughs> hey, Damon, you won a national championship with LSU, and I call SEC the NFL D-League. Man, I remember we, we played Auburn one year. I went to Washington State. We played Auburn one year, and I'm looking down line of scrimmage, and these defensive linemen are getting off the ball just as fast as I'm getting off the ball. So I feel like you were prepared for this moment. How's this adjustment been from college football to the NFL? Yeah, I'm just really blessed, you know, coming from JUCO, landing at LSU, you know, the coaches and the people, you know, they did a great job with me, you know, just teaching me, you know, just working with me, you know, just how to, you know, be a person off the field and on the field. So I feel like that LSU prepared me well for the league and, you know, just coming here with 
come here to Seattle, you know, they're still learning every day, you know, saying something new every day. So I feel like that LSU prepared me well, and, you know, I'm in a great position. You know, I can't complain because, like I said, I'm just really blessed to be here. Well, they, I went to a JUCO, too, uh, so a little love there for you. And, uh, you know, think good things turn out after, and you can still make a g- great impact in the NFL. But you you didn't lose much in college. I mean, LSU won a national championship. You guys have lost two of the last three. You're not used to that type of situation. How, how are you guys doing mentally right now? We're doing good, you know. It's just put it in the past. we got a next game in the front, so we – Watching, you know, getting prepared for the rounds. And, you know, that game, we just put it in the past, you know. Can't go back. So, don't know, don't know, uh, needs it looking bad. You know, you don't get look forward, you know, do what you can do right now at this moment. So, we just taking the step forward every day. All right, Damien, I was a receiver and I remember lining up. I used to hear, uh, Ace. Tire curl comeback, and I used to get happy. I'm like, "Yep, that's coming to me." Is there a play that you hear? Now you don't have to give us the name of the plays. We don't want to give away, you know, the uh, the language that you guys use. But is there a concept that you hear? And you're like, "Yep, time to eat." Oh yeah, definitely. You know, when they double team, you already know how D Lamb <laughs> hate double teams. So you know, we just hit them in the mouth. You know, they hate that. So they're one of my favorites. Is there anything different defensively, teams? That you, have you seen anything differently in the, in the NFL than you did maybe in the SEC? I know a lot of teams right now are putting six, seven guys up in the box and doing some zone, you know, drops, you know, you know zone blitzes, as well as bringing you know one more than you have. But are they doing anything different that you maybe saw in college? Well, to be honest, you know, I think college, I think that college people in the coaching in college that like they'll try to scheme up and just overdo stuff like you don't know what you don't know what people are doing in college because you know it's new it's kids you know young men and they just try to do a lot you know just throw at you but in the NFL you know everything being prepared and playing so I feel like that they know what they want on the field they know what kind of defense they want out there versus another team so it's a little different but it's not that much a different though Damien, when I was in the league, I used to hang out with Courtney Taylor and Bobby Ingram the most. Who on this team have you kind of clicked up with? Yeah, I'm real tight with the offensive line. You know, I see them every day. You know, Dwayne, Posey, you know, those guys. You know, I'm just real tight with the old line. And I, you know, my name is going through the building now. You know, I come in as a record and know too many people, you know, when I came. So now I'm getting, you know, no Bobby. You know, uh, LJ, you know, the D lamming. You know, I see the old guy go against old people every day. So, you know, it's just, you know, I'm still, you know, trying to learn names. But right now, you know, it's just clicking. Damien, I watched you coming out of college. Actually surprised you weren't drafted higher. You were 69th pick, third round. I was surprised you didn't go higher. I mean, you were just so dominant in, in college. But, you know, you're 635 pound squats and and benching. You know, 500 pounds. You know, people go, "Oh, this guy's brute strength." But then I watch you on a screen earlier in the year, and you're leading the path, and you put a DB on his back in the end zone. I Man, you're you're athletic. Did you play other sports in in high school and and dreams in college? Yeah, I played. I did track and field. I did powerlifting. You know, those are the two sports that I did in high school. Well, then you'd be the only NFL player 
that didn't think they were a good basketball player? <laughs> I tried some basketball, but you know the coach, the coach is where my football coach didn't want me to, so he only wanted me to focus on football, and I just gave that up, you know. Hey, Damien, I'm a like I said, I'm a receiver. I'm on the outside. It's nice and safe out there. You're in the trenches, man. You're going up against 300 pound dudes. One, what's it like? Explain it to it. Explain it to the twelves who are listening. And then, what's your style like? You a trash talker? You just going about your business? What's your style like? Well, you know, a lot of people don't know what go down in the trenches. You know, that's a hard job. <laughs> For the play offensive line, you got to be real crazy and tough. You know, you got to come to work every day. Ready to bang, hit your head, you know, get your finger down. And, you know, you just got to come, you know, with a job, one of those blue chip jobs. You just got to be prepared for it, you know. People don't know where the offense land to go through every day, you know. We never get no praise, you know, we don't get the media time. But, you know, it's sort of frank with those five guys. And, you know, I'm the type of guy who don't do a lot of talking. And I just, you know, stay, stick with the game plan, you know, to keep my head down and just try to, you know, execute the play. Well, you better have a good game plan this week because most people think the best player in the NFL is Aaron Donald. Um, well, just your thoughts on him, and you know, what, what you, are you excited about going up against him? But to be honest, I, I'm really here. You know, you know, just just going against you know one of the great players in the league. And there's gonna be another matchup. You know, he's a great player. And, you know, I'm great, so it's just going to be another matchup. You know, we see great players every week. You know, I'm just ready to get out there, you know, see what the week holds. Damien, you are great, too, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you are – I don't even know if you're a, pr- a pleasant surprise. I-, I think most people, after seeing you on film coming out of college, kind of expected this. Are you having the year you expected? Uh, you know, it has some ups and downs. You know, I'm still learning every day, trying to get better, you know. It's just a process with me, you know, just trying to take in everything and just keep on learning and keep on adding things to my toolbox, you know, just trying to get better every day with me. Hey, Dame, you just got me fired up right now. I'm not no. going to lie, man. I'm ready to go. Shoot. <laughs> hey, um, what's it like with the family? I know when I had my opportunity in the league, man, moms was trying to get up here as much as she could. Obviously, she probably can't now. Um, I was talking to her every single day. What's it like, the relationship with your family now that you're, you're living out a dream? You're doing things that probably all the men in your family would probably love to do. Yeah, you know, family, they good, you know. I got my baby brother down here with me, you know, just show him a different part of, you know, of the uh, country, you know, other than Mississippi, you know. I talk to my mom on the daily and, you know, just trying to, you know, stay connected because I know that, you know, I grew up in the house with my three brothers and my mom, you know, it's just hard on her, you know, seeing her boys leave her, you know, we getting older. So I told her, you know, we still going to connect, you know, while you always going to be here. But, you know, you know, just Keep the old daily talk, you know, going with your mom, your family, your brother. And just, you know, try to handle business at the same time. You you also got a youngster at home, too, right? You got a young child. And oh, yeah. Talk about that. And just what, yeah, what's that days. like with the pandemic? I mean, how's that how's that working for you? Uh, you know, they're keeping me in the mix right now. You know, crazy <laughs> virus going around. You know, got to be safe out here. And, you know, just keeping it in there. My boy did turn six months. Yesterday. How's your child? He good. How old? He's six months. 
Oh, six months. So you you getting any sleep? Yeah, yeah. You know, my sister and other, you know, she's taking care of that. And you know why I got the rest up? You know, I got a big dog. Yeah. <laughs> you keep telling her that, too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Damien, man, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. You go up, you look 99 in the eye, and you do what you do, baby. Get it done this weekend. <laughs> you know it. All day. Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. A little West Side Connection as we come in here, Paul. Yeah. 710 ESPN. Hawks live man. every Thursday right what here. What do you now? What would you say? With California. California. No side of park. What do you think I was saying? I don't know. I didn't understand. Biloxi. <laughs> Biloxi, baby. Yep. Hey, well, you know what? Now we get to talk to the professor, John Clayton. How you doing, John? I'm hanging in there. It's funny that you played this song because it's actually one of my favorites with Dr. Dre and that. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's that's the main Ram song that they play during the game. And, I, of course, I was at that one game with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it was like, what, 51 to 48 game or whatever it was uh, against the Rams. And all you kept on hearing, every time the Rams scored, you'd hear, you know, California, which, I, again, I love this song. This is one of my favorites. John, I'm giving you 100 cool points because Moyer was pretending like he knew this song. Oh, know this come song. on. You actually know it, John. Oh, yeah. Dr. Dre. And, yeah, he, know, he knows who made it, though. Well, look, John's a step above me, but I, <laughs> I, I can sing it. Yeah, you can sing it. All okay. Right. All right, John, what's going on in the secondary? Who's healthy? Who's not healthy? What should we, what should we expect? Uh, it doesn't sound good. I mean, you know, the fact that uh, Shaquille Griffin didn't get out there today, that's not good. I mean, again, Ugo Amadi's going to be out there. You'd have to think the way that you saw Quentin Dunbar play that they've got to try to sit him because that knee, I don't know if it's 50%, 60%, it did not look good at all. So it looks like they could go into this game with Trey Flowers starting, DJ Reed starting, and Ugo Amadi, Amadi being you know the guy that's going to be you know in the nickel. Of course, the one thing that the Rams do is that they do a little bit more two tight end offense, and so uh, you know that could get Ryan Neal on the field a little bit more. And we'll see about Nico Thorpe. I guess there's a chance that he could come back and maybe help out a little bit both on special teams and corner but it's a scary situation because you know they've got you know good two receiver sets and uh you know i don't know how good josh reynolds is but uh you know that's going to make it tough and you have you look at that whole injury list that didn't practice today that's scary john were you surprised that jamal adams played 100 percent of the snaps on defense and ryan neal played what three to five plays uh, not really, because that's just Jamal Adams. I mean, he's going to be out there trying to play every play that he can when he has the opportunity to do it. That is why I think in a lot of ways, you know, they held him out an extra week or two just because they know they they know him and his dedication to the team and what he wants to do and how tough he can be. You know, looking at the Rams, you look statistically, they're sixth offense, they're second defense. You would say, God, this is the toughest team at least, you know, statistically the Seahawks are going to play. But, God, I'm, I watch the Rams versus uh, Miami, watch them against the Cowboys. I, I don't know what they are. I, I think part of it is if teams scheme them right, they shut them down offensively. But uh, how good is this team? Hard to say. This is going to be a real proving ground right now because when you really look back, of course, we all know that the Seahawks are going to go through it you know, after these 10 days uh, when they play uh, Rams and Arizona. You know, They're going to have the four easier games against three NFC East teams and the uh, New York Jets. Well, basically, when you look at the schedule for the Rams, who have they played? 
I mean, they haven't. The only team that they've really played that's any good is going to be uh, the Buffalo Bills. And in that game, they fell behind in the first half, twenty-eight to three. This is with that number two ranked defense. They fell behind twenty-eight to three. They came back to take the lead and then end up losing the game. And so, what you're seeing toward the end of the season, which is a benefit for Seattle, is the advantage that the Rams have right now. And I mean, you can look at it and say, okay, uh, their linebacker play isn't that good. They've had better play from cornerbacks because, again, Jalen Ramsey's one of the cornerbacks. They have shaky situations at the safety position. Obviously, Aaron Donald is the defensive player of the year. He's got nine sacks and 15 tackles for loss. But uh, how good is their defense right now? I don't think it matches the numbers just based on the schedule that they've played. John, what are your thoughts on Cooper Cup? I got a real man crush on Cooper Cup, yeah, man. He, he can run and routes his, his run after the catch is awesome. What do, what, do you, what do you think about Cooper Cup? I like him a lot. I still remember being on the sidelines in the first Los Angeles game in his rookie year, and I'm looking at him and it's like, woo, look at this guy. It's like at the very worst, I thought he was a number two receiver, and you can see he can develop into a number one wide receiver. But I saw that in that first game that he had against Seattle, which is down in Los Angeles, and I like him a lot. I'm like you. I, I wouldn't call it a man crush for me. You can call it a man crush, but let's put it this way. If you want to call it a receiver crush, I like him. It's funny. I had a man crush and it was Tom Brady. You guys have Cooper Cup. I win. Um, so, <laughs> no, no, Well, let's put it this way. You didn't win last week at 38-3. to three. Yeah, Got that's one week. One week. I'm talking about, you know, what's... Uh, so, speaking of... Um, uh, that's it won't even tie in. I'm nervous about this uh, COVID-19 thing, uh, John. I go just the, the SEC shut down four games. Pac-12 again. Their rules are ridiculous. I think the NFL has better rules and potentially better process and outcomes. What, what's your thoughts? Uh, does this thing let, let me call, let me calm game? you down on that because please you know, be, no, knowing that I'm the numbers guy is that uh, last week there was 44 players that was on the COVID-19 list 44 players 15 of those which is the highest in the season you know had positive tests 15 wow. but if you go for the four weeks before that it was eight 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 and eight and so if you're only going to have eight for uh, and even 15 you're not going to be canceling or postponing games and so like so far this week you know i'd say i i, I have to add today so it would probably be 16 players that 16 17 players that are on the COVID list but i think it may be a little less than five or six that have tested positive because what you have to remember the way this thing breaks down under the protocol is that you know if you're let's say uh, ben roethlisberger and you're flying next to vance mcdonald and you're sitting two seats away from him and he has a positive test then he and three other players on the steelers they end up having to go on the COVID list for five days because that's considered to be high risk contact but it doesn't mean that they tested positive because the only real positive on the Steeler test was Vance McDonald. That's one. And you're not going to move a game back for one. I mean, there's still the chance that you can have a big outbreak like they had in Tennessee, which was brutal because they've had like about 11 or 12 positive tests on that team. But as long as they don't have that type of outbreak, and right now the protocol's there with the separation of the players for five days, I think they're going to be okay. They've had 133, if you want to include tonight, 134 games that have been played, and they've not lost one. And I still believe they can get through the rest of the season without having to lose a game. What, what are just your thoughts then on the NFL approving the 16-team playoff format if there's some significant games lost? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an option that they can use, which I don't like, but again, it's something that gives them the ability, you know, with tiebreakers and everything else to say, okay, let's 
do it this way, and we'll just kind of open it up a little bit. But I still think that uh, they're going to get through with the 256 games and be able to play them all and not have to lose any. Now, again, it gets trickier after week 13 because there's that's the last week where you have a, uh, a, a, a no bye weeks. And so getting through December, and of course what I worry about is that uh, you have a team in December with those one or two wins that just basically says, we don't care about anything. What we're going to do is that we're going to go party because we don't care about the season or anything else. And I think what that could lead to is some forfeitures. And, of course, the forfeitures wouldn't mean that uh, you would you know, lose a win or a loss for a good team. But I think that's what plays into it. And, of course, you know, from the owner's standpoint, if there is a forfeiture, you don't have to pay the winning team or the team that's having to forfeit. John, Russell Wilson has been been in the MVP race talk for most of the year. Last week, I feel like he took a hit. There's a guy that's not being talked about a lot, in my opinion, is Aaron Rodgers. 24 touchdowns, two interceptions, same record as Russell Wilson. One, is Russell still in the race? And two, should Aaron Rodgers get more love? Yeah, I think what it comes down to is that uh, the gap narrowed a little bit between Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. But still, the one thing that stands out is that Pat, uh, you got Russell Wilson on the pace right now with uh, uh, they throw for 56 touchdown passes. Well, that hasn't happened. And, you know, 56 touchdown passes on a team that can win 11 or 12 games, that's going to win the edge. Now, Mahomes, he can probably win 12 or 13 games. He's on pace for about 49, and I think Aaron Rodgers is on pace for 48. So I think what the, the record and the touchdown passes are really going to determine this. So the edge became closer, but still, I think Russell has the edge. John, this is your segment. What do you want to talk about? Well, you know, it's people didn't ask about this week is why haven't the Seahawks looked at, Vin, uh, at you know getting Vic Beasley? And here's the answer. The answer is what they looked at is they looked at a player who's talented. He's been to the Pro Bowl. He's had sacks and all those different things, and he is a good pass rusher. But they kind of wonder. Does he really want to play? Because what they see is a lack of motivation in a lot of things that he did. And, of course, that's what Tenet C identified with. I mean, he showed up 10 days late for the start of training camp talking about a mysterious injury that they really haven't even confirmed what it is. And then you see him go out there. I mean, he didn't win the starting job. He got $9.5 million, still has that in his pocket, by the way, and didn't get a single sack and got very few tackles. So I think the reason that they didn't sign Vic Beasley is because they wondered how motivated is him to play football and I think that's the question John well I appreciate you we appreciate you taking time out of your day and hollering at us and as always you keep it funky baby okay you're gonna get Dr. Dre for me again hey if you want Dre let's do it it. Dre all day I'll see you John okay thanks (laughs) thanks John all right coming up next we turn up the heat a little bit two men enter but there can only be one winner Paul Moyer and I will talk that talk don't go anywhere it is Hawks Live Hawks Hawks. Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Say it with your chest! It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Time to talk that talk. Me, Michael Bumpus, my guy, Paul Moyer. Going to throw some topics out there. We're just going to say with our chest. We're going to tell you how we feel about it. Now, Paul Moyer. Yes, sir. My first question to you is. Bring it on. Is this really the worst defense in NFL history? Talk about the Seahawks. Well, 
I guess statistically we are at this moment. Yep. But I I talked earlier on the on the show. I was with the worst offense in the history of the NFL. The most inept offense in NFL history. We were two and fourteen. They deserve to be called the worst offense in the history of the NFL. We're six and two. Yeah. We're not game planning statistics. And I, Kansas City's offensive coordinator, I brought that up a week ago. He talked about it too, because uh, we don't care about stat. We're trying to win football games. And if we got to win a game this way, we'll do it. And defensively, if we've got to bend at times and give up some yards, we'll do that. On paper, no way is this the worst defense in the NFL history. No way. What do you mean on paper? You mean this personnel-wise? Uh, I do. I mean, we got players. Yeah. We're, we're banged up. We haven't been together. This offseason has been very different. There's clearly a reason why offenses are so far ahead of defenses. Partly is they're not. there's no holding penalties anymore. So they're able to throw all day long. They're running these deep routes. Yep. And so if I don't have the manpower like Miami and even the Rams at corner where I can say, let's lock it up, let's play some man man get after these guys if i'm gonna have to play some zone and if i don't really understand zone concepts and how to pass things off and play triangle defenses within the zone man you're gonna have breakdowns and that's just what's happened to the seahawks second half of of last week we played pretty well i'm gonna take that as the positive no we are not the worst we're not gonna finish the worst Statistically, though, we've got some we got some room to move. We got some explaining to do. We we do. Hey, but you know it wasn't all on the defense. No, you offense know, turns the ball over four times. Sixteen points off of turnovers. Yeah, some of them were head scratchers. Some of them I get Russell pushing the envelope on fourth down, third down. But I, the reason why I don't love the fourth down one is. We we're on the three or four yard line. If it's an incomplete pass, I, I got him backed up. Got him backed and now up. we're bringing yeah. all the way to the twenty. So last week, Russell four turnovers, and he's had a few now in the last few games, right? Last Two in the last week. three games have been turnover happy. Is, is that an outlier? You know, or this sign to come? What what are we seeing? All right. Well, let me let me get back to: Is this the worst defense? Oh, I, I didn't let you comment. You, on you that? let me comment. It's fine though. It's fine. Nah, but, it's moving on. So, is this the worst defense in NFL? I'm gonna. I'm going to give the Seahawks. I'm gonna throw them a bone. Okay, one, they're not giving up the most points in the league anymore. They're giving up 30.4. The Jags are giving up 30.9. Okay, second, they're fourth in rushing defense, 77 yards per game. Maybe a result of them giving up a lot of yards in the past game. Giving up a lot. Okay, now the Hawks are giving up the most pass yards per game. Now, teams are passing the ball 33 times per game. That's the most since 2016, like the second most in the last 10 years, okay? Teams are completing 65% of their passes. That's the most in the NFL ever. Teams are averaging 245 yards per game. That's the most in NFL history. So pretty much they are bad at what everyone is really good at. But they are good at what, in the, on the other side of the spectrum, the run game. So I'm just trying to throw them a bone and say, look, no, they are not the worst defense in NFL history. They are really bad at what everyone else is good at at this moment. But there is time for them to get better. Look, we've played Atlanta, Dallas, Miami, Minnesota, Arizona, Buffalo. Those teams are all, you know, top 15 teams. You're certainly throwing the football. Had New England. He, he had a, a really good game uh, as well. I, again, I don't believe they are the worst. I don't think I, they are. And I don't think they're going to because we still have a – here's the beauty. We get to play the 49ers again. Mm-hmm. We got Philadelphia. 
They can't throw it. We got the Giants. We know they can't throw it. We got the Jets. Cannot throw it. Joe Flacco. Washington, who are they playing? At quarterback. They're going to play a guy who almost lost his leg a couple years ago. I think he's actually done. Great story. You know, but I'm like, no. We're playing four teams that don't have a quarterback. No, Bump, he's going to start. He's going to start? start. Yeah, Kyle Allen got hurt. He is going to start on Sunday. All righty. Haskins is still – this is how far he's dropped. He can't even get on the – as a second-team quarterback. Okay. He he might this week. But here's where I'm going to throw a stat out that's really interesting. The Seahawks are giving up 362 yards a game throwing the football. The worst in NFL history was 299. We got a ways to go. Hey, Paul Moyer. Yeah. Is that bad? It's not good. (laughs) It's not good. But, look, I truly believe best is yet to come. Okay. We're going to be a good defense by the end of this year. Just got to simplify it, get healthy, and say, guys, go make plays. Okay. We're going to simplify And that's what we've always done. So, back to mine. Back to yours. Russell, man, did not help us out last week. Even though we had, we still score over 30. We still had a, a productive day. Yep. Four turnovers. 16 points that they got off those turnovers. And field position things. You know, when we're in the hunt type of stuff. Outlier? Out. Is this, is this what's got? Because this just now, you go to Arizona and last week, and I think we're going to see it this week too. It's going to be three out of four weeks. We're going to get the zone blitz package. They're going to try and bring pressure on us, and it's sometimes going to be hit or miss. Are we now patient enough to take the dump down, to take the five-yard play, get some quick screens, go back to what we did, I think, early in the season. All of a sudden, we got a taste of that yeah. big play. I love yeah. the big play, by the way. Yeah, no, I, I love the big play as well, but when you are getting blitzed, the big play is no longer there. You no longer can roll to your right then look for that backside post every single time or that that post comeback, what DK did against the Niners, which looks so beautiful. At this moment in time, you know you're going to get pressure. So you have to take the dumbbells. You have to get it to Travis Homer, DJ. You got to give it to David Moore, lock it. You have to run short game. You have to do the things that the Rams do, that the Niners do, and that the Arizona Cardinals do. They get the ball to their playmaker and say, look, you go get all of that yet. Get all of that yet. So I think that after this week, now if the Hawks come out and Wilson comes out and does the same thing against a bunch of pressure, then – it's an outlier. He's not learning. But but Russell's a smart guy. He's sharp. He's sharp. He's going to learn. They're going to fix this. He's going to take the check downs and the dumps. All right, let me finish this question off, though. 38 points, 35 points, 38 points, 31, 27, 34, 37, 34. Yeah. Pretty good offense, right? Not too shabby. Not bad. But my concern is the turnovers. It's the sack. It's the guys coming free. Russell Wilson, look, Justin Britt last year handled most of the protection. He's had some pretty good veteran smart centers in the past. He now has got to call protection. He's got to know the snap count. He's got to put the guy in motion. He's got to have the audible ready. He's got to know when the play clock's going. He realized there's seven guys up in the box. Are they all coming, or are these only two guys coming, and they're dropping these other three? Are they bringing all seven? Where's the side adjust? Now the clock's running down to four or three. Is there a point where he goes, I forgot where my protection is? Because it looked like twice maybe in this game he forgot. Yeah. And he should have got rid of it and, or thrown it away. 
Is it, it's too much on his no, plate? No, it's not too much. You got to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Omaha, mm. Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. You got to be Peyton Manning. You yeah. got to be Tom Brady. You got to be Drew Brees. You this be, isn't just being an average guy. No, if you if you want to be the Russell Wilson that we all think he is, a Hall of Fame quarterback, right. he's got to handle all that. You are playing the hardest position in all sports in my position is when it comes to that mental. You are in control of a lot of stuff. He has to be able to handle that, and I think he is. I think he's going to learn from this. Everyone has to show. Tom Brady just played probably one of the worst games of his life Fair. as a six-time Super Bowl champion. Man crush. Yes, your man crush. My man, yours is cup. We'll, we'll be at minus cup. By the way, if it was golf, I'd say it's too much for him. I'd take that protection off of him. He doesn't know where the sun rises and sets. <laughs> and Kyrie Irving thinks the world is flat. There we go. All right. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll go inside the film room and revisit the biggest plays from the Seahawks loss to the Bills. That's around the corner right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live, Michael Bumpus, Paul Moyer. Some Hall and Oates, buddy. Hey, this got me in a little groove right here. I know the song. I don't know who it is, though. All right. All right, but hey, we're here every Thursday, Paul. Can you sing? I can sing. No, but can you? I mean, are you a shower singer? Like, I'm good in the shower? Hey, I'm a a shower singer. If I asked your wife, can he serenade? She's going to say no. She's going to say no. But you know what I will do? What? Spit bars. No, bars are those when, when rappers rap and they call it, they call them bars. So, <laughs> why, why do you do that to me? You <laughs> look you, at me. You did it. Your look in your eyes told me you didn't know what that was, Paul. I, bar. I, I play the piano, man. I know bars. <laughs> exactly. All right, here we go. We're going inside the film room, and this first part we're going to look at is Jamal Adams sex Josh Allen on a key third and six from his own 27-yard line. Takes a high snap. Gets chased. He's going to go down again. It's Adams who got there. Jamal Adams on the blitz. Gets to Josh Allen. The Seahawks defense comes alive in this drive and pushes the Buffalo Bills back on a couple of straight plays and force punt. Now, this play right here, Paul, is just, I am bigger. Not even bigger. I'm just better than you. <laughs> now, better. there's, you know, there was, when I was in high school, my coach, Coach Miles, our defensive coordinator, used to say, all you guys want to do is bench press. Bench press doesn't show up on the football field. I'll tell you one thing, Paul Moyer. Bench press showed up right here when Jamal Adams pretty much bench pressed the guy on the edge, got to Josh Allen. This is what he's here to do. People are asking him to drop into coverage and to get interceptions. That's not what he does. Who's the next best safety in the league? Buda Baker. That's not what he does either. He has one interception, maybe I think two in his career, both this this year. year. So they're asking him to do what he's great at. He's firing off the edge, getting to a grown man's chest, pushing him back, getting after the quarterback. These are the type of plays I'm here for for Jamal Adams. Seven guys in the box. They got Bobby Wagner up on the center. Um, To me, what makes this play work more than anything is – we're tight on coverage. We're jamming guys, you know, at least up top. And so you got Allen here who's got to come off the receivers, nowhere to throw to. And you're right. This is why they drafted – or not draft. This is why they traded for Jamal Adams, gave up two first-round draft picks. I mean, he just flat-out beats a tight end. I mean, he bull rushes yeah. a tight end. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's men amongst boys. But coverage first – allowed him to do what he does best, and that's sack quarterbacks. And that really is one of the best things he does. Yeah, Jamal, this is what he's here to do. I love it. Okay, next play. Josh Allen finds John Brown for 33 yards on third and 16. 
Blitz is coming, and I mean all out. Quick throw near side, ball is caught. It's Smoke Brown. He's down inside the 15, the 10, the 5, down to the 3-yard line. The Seahawks blitzed everybody. Quick throw to Brown, who ran right through the middle of the Seahawks defense, and it's going to be first and goal Buffalo inside the 5. This was the drive. Here's what's disappointing about I don't know, this. I wanna, can I let the people know just your face when you saw this play? <laughs> like, yeah. Paul was oh, – I feel your pain right now. I'm sorry, Paul. Go ahead. It's it's 27 to 20. We Three plays earlier, we had sacked their quarterback to get off the field, and they called – I guess it was a good call. They called a, 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 an illegal bump downfield on uh, Jamal Adams. On this one, the reason why my face is – they run a quick screen. I mean, it's just it's a it's a one man route. We got two defensive backs out there. I got I'm not sure why he's playing quite this deep. I get it because it's third and sixteen and he's hurt. And this is a Dunbar in this case. And they this is great great call by them. I mean, this is yeah. just a great call. It's just a quick screen, and it's just that it's a quick screen. What quick screens mean is I throw it out very quick out to the wide receiver. And then I release every one of my linemen. They have four offensive linemen running downfield. The reason why I'm disappointed, if you could see what I I see on here, is I've got four guys who really don't react very well. And that's a couple defensive linemen, a linebacker, a safety who is blitzing. And then it's just their pursuit angle. I mean, they literally are following each other, running running into each other's backs. I mean, it's just fundamentally, it's, as soon as I see that, it's down the line, fan out. Yep. Fan out, again, means just that. I fan, I'm fanning towards the goal line. And so I'm staggered. I have one guy in the line of scrimmage. I have another guy three or four yards who's closer to the end zone. I have another guy three or four yards closer. I just start fanning out to have proper pursuit angles. Yep. Whether they're tired, they might be. I get it. But fundamentally, I just I really struggle with this. I'm actually going to give more credit to their offense. This was such a brilliant call because we had been blitzing and coming after them, coming after them. And they finally said, all right, well, how do you beat that? Well, you do things like this. You do quick screens. You let everybody rush upfield. And now I've got all my offensive linemen you know, going after two guys. So they literally have six, uh, four, five guys blocking two of our guys. Yep. The guy who makes this play and why I'm most disappointed and also positive is our backside corner, Trey Flowers. Yeah. Our backside corner, Trey Flowers, makes this play. The thing that disappoints me the most on this play is third and 15. These plays are coming on third and 15. The screens, the draws, they're already in field goal position you hand it off you're just trying to get five to six yards to set your kicker up and you decide to blitz the house and peak here owned this he said look man that was my call i took the heat off of ken norton that's my call i decided to do that i rolled the dice if this happens if they do the if they blitz all out like this and they sack the quarterback now he's a genius Right. Every now and then, you walk you walk by the roulette table and you go you know what hundred hundred on black and it, and it goes red. No. Every now and then you go no. 100 on black, and then it goes black. It's, no. it's 50-50. Sometimes it goes green. <laughs> so it's not quite 50-50. Okay, That's why what? you always throw that $10 so on green what's, just what's, in case. All right, what's the percentage then? Give me that. What uh, is 36 it? to 1 or something okay. like that. I don't really know, but something about that. Um, you know, it's just one of the – it's a really good offensive call. And it, there's there's – when you're really playing well and you're just focused, you're in the moment – you're talking. You go, hey, guys, by the way, third and 16, I always said, watch the screen. Now, it's a different yeah. screen than we used to see. 
Back then it was running back faking like he's going to block. He slides out or into the middle, trying to find a spot, you know, and then get some offensive line and leading the way. Now they do it with wide receivers. But I'm just alerting people. Hey, don't forget, we're blitzing. It's third and 16. If it's too good to be true, it is. Mm-hmm. Dave Wyman always calls them pass-rushing geniuses. Yep. Oh, my God, I'm free, and no one's blocking you. And it's just more of an awareness of, hey, if I see that, remember, it's immediate down the line, fan quickly. Maybe they don't make this play. It's a really tough play to stop. I get it. Yep. So It is tough. All right, next play. Russell Wilson connects with David Moore for a 55-yard touchdown. Russ steps up, almost steps right into the blitz. Now he's going to roll back right side. He's going to look, and he's going to let it fly as deep as he can. He's got a man. Touchdown, Seahawks. David Moore had gotten way behind the defense, and Russ just rears up and throws it deep, trailing now 41-26. The Seahawks never out of it until there's all zeros. One I want to point out, David Moore, all he does is, is big plays. Big play, David Moore. That's what he does. Two, <laughs> that it's a clear bust by the corner for the Buffalo Bills. He takes the bait. He jumps on what it looks like is a seam. A great catch by David Moore, but I want to look look at Russell Wilson in the end zone mm. view, Paul. Damn. The way he maneuvers his pocket, mm-hmm. feels pressure, steps to the left, puts his foot in the ground, steps back. I mean – this is these are the kind of plays that makes Russell Wilson special. He can improvise, and I also the, think these are the type of plays that will get him in trouble because it's like, look, I'm a, I'm a magician back here. I'm going to make things happen. I'm going to hold on to the ball a little bit longer than I should. But late in the game, a play needed to be made. Russell Wilson finds a way to maneuver outside that pocket. Demo just runs up that sideline. The corner who has the thirds or that deep zone of the field, bites on the seam, he's wide open, Russell Wilson does what he does. Yeah, it's a great finish. And I, I wish, and actually I encourage everybody to go on and, and try and find this play because as often as Buffalo blitzed and did zone blitzes and they had a few times where they got free and some of them they we just held on the ball too long, got sacks. This is a really tough blitz to pick up and we pick it up beautiful yeah. i mean mm-hmm. it is it, i god i mean we picked this up so good i mean damian lewis who ends up coming backside to try and help out fantastic there's guys running free all over the place and so if we had this a bunch you would say god buffalo coaches are the dumbest coaches i've ever seen <laughs> right but every once in a while they work and that's what happens in these games they're called calculated risks you try something to me this is way too cute they're trying to a really cute. They send four guys, but it's it's a disaster what they're trying to do, dropping guys and pick up receivers. There's guys open everywhere, and they bust. And that's what happens at times with the Seahawks, too. You can take calculated risks. You can't ever give up these type of big plays. But when you do this kind of stuff all the time, you're going to give up some big plays. Buffalo, this is one of them, right? Um, they had only given up one 40-yard play all season. They gave up three to us. They gave two... 40 yarders, a 50 yarder. They get over three, over 40 plus Paul, yards. I thought we agreed that I was going to be the only one to spit that stat. You were, but that was last week. <laughs> uh, but now they've given up four. Yep. And, and so my, my point is look, it's coaching. Sometimes you, you make a calculated risk. You hope you play it well. You hope they don't pick it up properly. And, but you know what? Sometimes it happens. And here's a, a good example Buffalo had been dominating all game. They gave up three big plays to us yep. in the second half. Yep, beautiful play by Russell Wilson. Well, coming up next is home field 
advantage officially gone. Will the Jets be the next 0-16 team? Paul Moore and I take you around the NFL. Coming up next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. <laughs> Michael Bumpus, Paul Moore, you're here on Hawks Live every Thursday at 7 o'clock. You know it? What do you got? Roxanne! That's all I know, Roxanne. Police. Police, baby. I'm in my zone right now. This is before he took off on his own, but yeah, please. Yeah. You must have, you put this list together, baby. No, I didn't do this one. This song stings. Oh, it stings. <laughs> I just no, said it stings. stings. That was a joke. <laughs> That's later. He becomes Sting. There you go. Thank you. I got it. I'm following you. There we go. All right. Hey, bring it back once again. Michael Bowman's Paul Mario Hawks live on 17 ESPN. Look, I get the most tweets Thursday. on the bumps. You get, hey, you're the guy, man. I just want to be like you when I grow up, Paul. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're going around the NFL. Paul, road teams are 67, 65, and 1 in 2020. Is that because there are no fans in the stands? Every It's just it's a neutral game. It's like a national championship in Oklahoma, and Florida is playing USC. It's a national championship game. Um, look, it's a neutral game, right? I can't even hear myself right now. It's a little loud. But um, it's a neutral game. I actually thought coming into the season this was going to be a season where the best team has the best record Maybe not win the Super Bowl, but the team that's the best record is going to be the best team because there's not going to be a home field advantage to, to go seven and one or eight and zero. Yeah. You got to go win on the road. Right now we're undefeated at home, which is kind of weird, and we're we've lost two games on the road to Arizona and Buffalo. But this is the first time ever that the road team, halfway through the season, has a better record than the home team. That's unbelievable. It's never been that close. So, so there's two things to this. All right. One is no excuses anymore about travel. No, you still got to factor in travel. But does You're it, still on does a it plane. really matter? You're the, there, the road team travel. has a better record. Yeah, but still, but you, travel t- still affects you a bit, though. A little. Maybe back east like last week, played a morning game. And yeah. I'll give it a point. Maybe two. Our old buddy Dory Monson would probably say, no, it's 3.3. Oh, 3.5. Yeah, he would have it down to the science on that. But, look, this is a neutral field. The best team wins now. This is why I'm not worried about the Seahawks' record. It's just get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you travel on the get road. Get into the playoffs and be as healthy as possible. That is more important. A year ago, two years, any, any year but this year, home field advantage is more important than being healthy. Right? I mean, it, it, it motivates. I mean, you have a home field advantage here at, at CenturyLink. You're going to the Super Bowl. It's guaranteed. Yeah. But now, no, I'll take health over a home or a road game. Yeah, I, I look at this and I think that I think of the NBA bubble. You see all these great performances we saw in the NBA bubble. The world got introduced to Jamal Murray. Yeah, Mitchell from Utah. Oh, he's good. Yeah, he, he's a baller. Yeah, Porter from Denver who, yeah. who went to Nathan yeah, Hale up here. He, he broke out of his show. He was averaging like ten points, and now in the bubble he's averaging twenty. It allows guys who don't really perform at a high level to perform at a high level because they don't have to deal with all that chatter that goes on in the crowd. You can just focus on playing ball. It's quiet around. So I'm going to – Who gonna, won I'm, the NBA championship, by the way? Hey, the Lakers, baby. The greatest the organization in all of basketball. But they're the good, good call on the basketball. The Lakers. That they are. All right, here we go. 
Question number two, thoughts on Lamar Murray, comments about other teams knowing their plays. Now, I've walked up, I've been a player, and I've walked up to the line, and I've been a quarterback. That was varsity, you know, Culver City High School. And they're calling out our plays. And if you're better, you just run them and you beat them. Is that a real thing, Paul Moore? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add some color to this. Okay. So Lamar Jackson, B- Baltimore quarterback, and Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator, he used to be for the 49ers, who, by the way, is despised up here because of one thing he did on Christmas Eve when they beat us, I'm going to say six years ago, seven years 2011, ago. 2011, right before it got going. Thank you, 2011. And he ran after they beat us in the last second. He said, Mary blanking Christmas. Uh-huh. And Danny O'Neill, our very own Danny who was the beat, or, uh, the pool reporter, uh, chased after him, held the elevator doors open before he got down. He said, who said that? And he cowered. There's more to this story. <laughs> we'll do it at another time. Wow. But anyway, so Lamar Jackson says, they're calling out our plays. And Greg Roman answered like, well, you know, it's kind of the norm. I mean, it's a chess match. They, they know what we're doing. We know what they're doing. It's, we, we know our statistics. First of all, that is frustrating because you're up at the line of scrimmage. They're calling you out, particularly if they're stopping you. Yeah. And you as a quarterback, you might say lead left and keep a bootleg just to prove a point, which rarely works out. Um, my point is on this, there's, we're watching film all day as coaches, and we're feeding all that information to the players. The one thing I know is if I know exactly what you're going to do every time you line up in a formation, I'm not letting you know I know. Yeah. I'm just going to stop it. And in this case, they're calling out plays. Oh, they're going to run a travel. Watch out for the bootleg. And he's probably was frustrated. They were stopping him. But, it, but if, Nothing he's, to if it. he's saying it, then they must be calling out the right plays. Yeah, guess he's what? He's going to say it. Guess what? Hey, hey, they're in a watch, watch the pass. Hey, watch the run. And I covered that. Got them both. <laughs> but now if he is, they're all saying, hey, Watch the bootleg or the draw. And it may be in this situation that 80% of the time in this formation, in this part, of it, that that's the case. It's usually rarely 100% because everybody self-scouts each other. And Greg Roman, I thought he was the answer was right. He goes, to chess mats, they do that. I thought Lamar probably overreacted. More importantly, to me, he called out his offensive coordinator yeah. in front of the public. We're too simple. Everybody knows what we're doing. It's your fault. Not mine. I have problems with that. Yeah, I have problems with him calling out um, his offensive coordinator. It's family business. If you have issues, you talk to him behind scenes in the locker room, in the meeting room. You don't go out to ESPN and everyone else. We can blow this thing up and talk about it on Hawks Live. Why do you think they do that? Is that new? It's a generation. Is that a millennial thing? I think it is. Is that money? Is that power? No, I, I think it's. I think it's. It's a millennial thing. But would you? They just don't want to take the blame. No, but so you're in high school or college. Let's say you're quarterback at Washington State, which you probably could have been. Um, Thank you. Would you Would you have called that a coach? No, never. I mean, is that a never? If I'm if I'm, if I'm calling out a coach, it's at my house with three or four of my guys, and we all play ball, right. and we're like, "What the heck was Coach thinking?" And I'm, I'm afraid. I'm not exactly. Who's going to leak this information? I'm not doing it to the public. Lamar's wrong for that. All right. All right. Next okay. one. Should the Seahawks still be the favorite in the MC West despite their struggling defense? Paul Moore, this is the worst defense in NFL history, apparently. Should they still be the favorites? Yes, they should be. And the reason, number one reason why is we have the number one quarterback in the NFL. I still believe that. And by far in the NFC West. 
Goff, no. Murray, not quite ready, but he's getting there. And Garoppolo, whoever, Murray, I don't even know who, Mullins, whoever they got as their quarterback, not even a chance. But here's here's what, I think they can lose this week. Yeah. I think we can go 6-3, and three, lose three of our last four games, and I think we run the table. I, I think we finish at worst 12-4 and four this year. We've got the Jets, Philadelphia, the Giants, and Washington four games in a row, then San Francisco. That's five games. Right now we got six wins. That's 11. So if we happen to win in Arizona next week on Thursday, which I think we will, and then we win again at the end of the year toward, against the Rams up here, which I think we will, that's 12, thir- or, you know, we're talking 12, 13 wins. I think we could lose this week. I don't think we're quite healthy enough. I think it's a tough matchup for us. Wouldn't be surprised if we win. But, yes, we should be the favorites, best quarterback, and most likely to get most healthy back. This is why I could understand if people didn't think they were the favorites. They've lost to Arizona. Shouldn't have. Yeah, okay, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Shouldn't have. Okay. Arizona, everyone says the Hawks have the be- has the best defense in the NFL. They have the best scoring defense in the NFL. Overall, Arizona has the best defense. No, wait, wait. We look at the stats. Offense. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Offense. They have the best scoring offense. Overall, Arizona has the best scoring offense. You look at the Rams. The Rams have the second best defense in the NFL. That's why if they lose this huh. game, that changes things. If they win this game, then I feel better about them. I'm like, okay. I still think they're the best team, but you know, the naysayers are going to look at these little specifics and say, all right, well, they have to improve there. They have to improve there. But you make a good point. After these next two games, they should run the table and get it all done. Con- you got five games in a row where you should win. I, you talk about feeling good about yourself, and health is going to matter. No, no question about that. I Tough game coming up. Tough matchup. It's just a tough matchup. I just feel like we're our confidence is lost. And, and more I just don't think we're going to be healthy enough to, to maybe pull this one off. Again, that's just gut more than anything. But I think we finish at worst 12-4. and four. More than likely after this game, I think we run the table. Okay, if they lose this game, you still think they're the... I think we run the table. Okay. Maybe one loss. All right. And it's just matchups. And then we get our confidence back. We get healthy. I think our defense finishes 29th. 29th. You know what? If they finish 29th, the last teams to win Super Bowl and their defense weren't great. 2011, the Giants' defense ranked 25th in 2011. They won a Super Bowl. 09, New Orleans' defense ranked 20th. They won a Super Bowl. Getting to the 20s, and they got a chance as well. So trying. here's what I'd love to see is com- combination. So my combination of if the Seahawks are 29th and we're number one, def- that's a combined 30. Right? Offense, defense. <laughs> I want to know the combined. That's a new stat. 30 or below That's combined. That's a new stat. Okay. All right? I got you. Well, go find that for me. All right. Well, this is we Hawks Live. Michael Bumas, Paul Moyer. <laughs> Next, we'll wrap this thing up and give you our final thoughts here on Hawks Live. Hawks, Hawks Live. Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Michael Bumpus, Paul Moore, Hawks Live every Thursday at 7 o'clock right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Paul, this song was made in the 70s and is now a top 40 song because of TikTok. What? You know what TikTok is, Paul? I do know. Did you even know who this is? Mac Elderwood, something like what? that. What? Is that it? What is it called? Fleetwood Mac? Fleetwood Mac. Come hey, on, man. I was close. I was close. Man! <laughs> I, I used to play this song in college, driving back home from Arizona State to Orange County. 
That was my. And then when I got to the NFL and I would drive after the season down, it was Bon Jovi living on a prayer. Hey, what 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 type of car did you have driving home? From from A State. My, my mom and dad. I had a Pinto, Pinto in high school, let's but go. when I left, my there were some things on Pintos blowing up or something from behind with the gas tank. So my mom let me drive their Mach 1 Mustang to college. And I said, I'm not giving it back. <laughs> so I kept that, and then I got in the NFL, my first car. I think I had like a Jeep Cherokee. or Actually, I had a, actually I had a Datsun 280ZX okay. with the T-top. T-top. To pull the T-top off. Ooh. White with maroon interior. And it was the first car that had a digital um, miles per hour. So it oh. said... You were going 85, but then it stopped. It wouldn't let you know if you were going 105. This would be important because when I was coming back from Cheney in 1984, Kurt Warner and I were racing each other, and I was going, I found out, 105. How'd you find out? Because the cop pulled me over, <laughs> and he said, you were going 105. And I said, well, my thing said 85. He goes, no, 80. So he pulled Kurt over first. And then I slowed down, saw it, and he pulled it, and he jumped out of the car, and he looked at me, and he pointed, and he goes, pull over. So he got us both, and God bless him, he gave us a ticket for like 15 miles an hour over, because otherwise would be reckless driving. He said, don't you think your living's dangerous enough? <laughs> and he said, uh, I'm not taking you guys to jail. That's You're being a good teammate there, Paul, because I would have kept going. <laughs> you know what? I thought about it. Should have kept going. He was my roommate, my best buddy. So You know couldn't, what? Couldn't they, they didn't have cell phones back then. Paul's like, you know what? I no, got to pull over. Not for a few more I years. I got to pull over. I did. All right. Let's talk about these Rams. Now, Paul, when I look at these Rams, Oof. offensively, yeah. they're, getting, they're going to get in tight formations. Yep. Because it's easier for them to set the edge. They like the jet sweeps. They have a good running back in Daryl Henderson, 457 yards, two touchdowns this year. Um, they have Malcolm Brown also in the backfield. Cooper Cup, who I feel like is one of the most underrated receivers in the league. Great route runner. A lot of 12 personnel. They're going to pack it in. Um, they're going to spread it out at the same time. Uh, they only allow eight first downs versus Miami. Eight first downs versus Miami. Wow. Now, the – the Hawks have a better quarterback than the guy they have over there. They got a rookie. He had his, his lumps and bruises. And then I look on the defensive side, I see Aaron Donald, who is a man amongst boys. I mean, he might be the most dangerous player in the NFL right now on defense. The things that he does, Paul, unconventional. I saw him rush the offensive guard, jump up in the air, and slap his hands down. You never leave your feet in this game, Paul. You never leave your feet. He jumps up, slaps his hands down, dips and rip, gets to the quarterback. I go, no one no one in this league can do that. He's the only guy who can pull that off. And then look at Jalen Ramsey. He doesn't have a lot of picks, but he's around the football. He's a ball hawk. I look at this team, and I'm concerned, especially after the week that the Hawks had against the Bills. I see these guys on defense. I see this offense. If Jared Goff is able to sit back there, pat the ball three or four times, and let it go, he's going to eat you up. Something tells me the Hawks are not going to allow him to do that. <sighs> Tough matchup for us. And we'll talk offensively. They run zone routes that are tough for what we do defensively. And it's been that way for a few years. Miami said, hey, we're coming after you. We're going to do a bunch of zone blitzes. But we're going to challenge everything you do. If we're in a zone, we're challenging you. We're pressing. We're over. We're hard over the top. We're we're 
they, Miami, the way they spot drop, I don't even say they spot drop. When they drop, they drop quick. They settle eight to 10 yards. And so if there is a crossing route, they're immediately coming downhill defensively and making that tackle. You, you cannot be backpedaling when the quarterback's throwing the football. Yeah. By the time you change direction, that's three steps. They'll split you. And that, that's where yards after catch. And this is where I get worried. A year ago, the Rams were number one in yards after catch. This year, I think they're third or fourth. I can't remember exactly. I want to say they're fourth after last week. We're middle of the pack. I was actually surprised defensively we were middle of the pack because last week we gave up so many yards after they mm-hmm. caught the ball. And a lot of it is them running across them, just catching the ball 5, 10 yards and then splitting it and going 20, 25 yards. We had a couple early on just some wide routes, swing routes with running backs. You know, it should be nothing and they're getting 20 yards. That worries me if we don't get pressure on them because that's been our weakness along the way. I got a feeling we're going to shore that up a little bit. Okay. And and if Goff plays the way he did against Miami, he was god-awful. Yep. I mean, again, I brought up he doesn't know where the sun sets and rises. <laughs> that was on Hard Knocks when they said, do you know where the sun sets? And he goes, he, he literally didn't know. The guy went to Cal, which that just – discredits their college <laughs> and he didn't know where it, it, it rose and set which i thought was really interesting should have went to az state a state late look at least we know that it sets in the west buddy okay um defensively they got the best player in the game aaron yep. donald and we had damian lewis on earlier today he's excited about this match damian got me fired up. he did he got me fired up too yeah they're good they got good corners they've got i mean they got a pretty good secondary i mean you got rap i know you don't love him because he went to uh university hey, I of Washington. respect respect where respect is due jalen ramsey is you know he's he's legit i think they got a couple linebackers that, that come after you they got a new defensive coordinator so a different scheme the seahawks haven't seen it's going to be a really tough matchup. Would I be surprised we play the best game we've played all year? No. I, but I wouldn't be surprised we lose this game and run the table. I'm saying 12-4, and 13-3. I think the injuries is going to be tough for us to battle this week. But you know what? What are we, 38 and 8? 36 and 8? Russell Wilson, we're going to find out here in a second. From We are 38 and 9. 8. 32 and 8, sorry. 32 and 8. 32 and 8. After a loss with Russell Wilson, I feel good the way we bounce back. We've lost two out of our last three, though. I'm not sure how good the Rams – here are the Rams' wins. The Rams have beat Dallas, not good. Philadelphia, not good. The Giants, horrible. The Redskins, horrible. They beat Chicago in just an ugly game. We know Chicago has no offense, 24 to 10. I don't know who they are, yeah, but hard. I don't know who we are either because guess what? Our best win right now is against Miami. It's turned out to be a pretty good team. They're now 5-3. and three. They've won four in a row. So I don't know what we are. Um, I think this is a game that will be interesting. If we win or lose, it does not affect the season. We need to get healthy. We're going to finish 12-4, and 13-3 and three before it's all I think enough. offensively this team needs to take a note from the Los Angeles Rams and do jet sweeps. Give this defense, these linebackers, something to think about. Give Tyler Lockett the rock. Last year, I want to say Tyler Lockett got at least three to five jet sweeps in his hands and make these linebackers have to identify what they're looking at. And earlier in the last game, they did the jet sweeps, and it worked out. DJ Dallas found some gaps. He did what he had to do. Again, I'm going to say it again like I said last week. This run game doesn't need to be super powerful. 
They just need to pick up key first downs. That's all these third and short. They need to pick it up. You got to be able to give it to DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, whoever's available and allow them to pick up first downs. And then please, when there is a boot, there's a rollout, just go play side. Just go play side and make them think about it it because that's going to open up the backside. Everyone's ready for the backside DK post, post corner dig. They're ready for that now. Now make them think about the play side stuff and get them working that way. This football team is still a good football team. They're battling injuries. Russell Wilson is forcing the issue at this point. You had a corner who was hurt since the first snap. Make some adjustments. Put some guys in there. I'm interested to see what personnel shows up when it's time to go on Sunday. Tough matchup, but um, it's a copycat league. We know that, right? I mean, people have success on you. They're going to do the same thing. We've seen it a little bit from Arizona. I say a little. A little bit from Buffalo. People say, oh, people are coming free all the time. No, they're not. They're not. Matter of fact, there's some things we showed earlier that great pickup. But is that the way to stop this zone blitz, seven guys on the line of scrimmage? It's the quick screen. It's the let's just stay on play side, get the ball out quick, fly sweeps, things like that. I want to see the first series from the Rams. Because their last game against the Dolphins two weeks ago, they came out and established a run. I believe three out of their first like five plays were run plays. Are they going to look at the film and say, all right, guys, spread them out. Let's toss this thing around because these guys don't know how to defend it. Here's the nice thing. And the 12s, I know you've been dogging. we got a great coach and staff. Yep. We do. And it's it's been tough defensively. And again, sometimes I've been there where you just, you're scrambling, trying to put Band-Aids on, on wounds. Um, they're going to figure this out. We got talent. You got to trust the process, and I, I I believe in that. So don't don't be surprised. Big bounce back this week. Big bounce back. All right, Paul. Man, always awesome getting with you on a Thursday. Highlight of my week. Special thanks to Damian Lewis for joining us. John Clayton, our board operator, Tariq, our producer, NASA Choby. The Seahawks pregame show was live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumpus, with Paul Moyer. We'll be back in a couple weeks right here on Hawks Live.